Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Q&A. So I'm entitling this Ask Amy, Ask Me Anything and Everything. So many of you submitted questions to go over today, and I thank you for that because I guarantee you your question is someone else's question. And that's why I really wanted to dive into what's on your mind. So many people can't jump on and ask me questions live. And some of you are not my patients, but you have questions. So I wanted to reach out and just find out what is going on in your head. What are you not finding answers to? And what do you have for me to answer? So we're talking about everything today. And we'll be going through question by question. And I hope this helps you in the long run. And we'll be doing a couple more of these because I think they're really, really beneficial to everyone, whether you have a thyroid condition or not, whether you're struggling with your weight, your hormones are imbalanced, if you think you have adrenal fatigue, all of that fun stuff that comes along with your health. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amy Horneman. I'm a functional medicine practitioner, and I specialize in thyroid conditions, hormone imbalances, weight gain, and just all around fixing you and getting your life back. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Okay, we're jumping in. So the first question from Miss Linda, she says, can you talk a little bit about drinking ketones? I've been seeing a lot on Facebook, MLM groups that it is, re that is recommending these. Do you have any thoughts about these ketone drinks? Okay, so let's dive in. First of all, years ago, I mean, I've been low carb slash ketogenic for years. So many of you know that I have hypothyroidism and I have PCOS. So with PCOS comes insulin resistance. Well, if you are insulin resistant, pre-diabetic, diabetic, have PCOS, or just, I mean, if you're carrying around excess weight that you can't lose, you're most likely insulin resistant. And then we can get into the rabbit hole of the, the scale and the lab value range and what's optimal. But needless to say, insulin should be below a 6, A1C should be a 5 or 5.1, fasting glucose should be around an 86, and I was not. So my body needs a low-carb ketogenic diet. I started diving into the research of Dr. Jason Fung and one of my mentors, Dr. Dan Pompa, and really looking at exogenous ketones. Linda, not from the MLM standpoint, because I have tried some of those uh, multi-level marketing products with exogenous ketones. And I'll get into that in a moment where I tested myself. So 
just the basic premise of exogenous ketones. When you're doing a ketogenic diet, you are pushing your body from being a sugar burner into being a fat burner. Meaning when you are, let's say, eating a regular diet, standard American diet, or let's say you are taking in, you're doing the 1980s, 1990s low fat diet, or you're counting your calories and your carbohydrates are still decently elevated, right? You're eating fruit every day because you think fruit's great for your body because it's an antioxidant and you are filling up your glycogen stores in your muscles. So what your body will do is it will tap into those glycogen stores for fuel. This is going to fuel your body through the day, get you through the day, fuel your brain. So it uses glycogen first and it will drain those stores of glycogen first. Then maybe it will move into your fat stores. Now, the way that we eat and operate in our daily lives, normally we're eating every couple hours. Some of you are still on that bandwagon of eat every few hours to keep your metabolism up. False. But you're eating, 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 and you're constantly putting in that supply of glycogen, increasing your glycogen stores. So your body really never has a chance to switch over and tap into your body fat stores for fuel. It's always burning sugar. So you are a sugar burner. The purpose of lowering your carbohydrates or utilizing a ketogenic diet is to force your body to shift over into actually burning your own body fat for fuel. So your body has two choices at any given point of time. It can burn sugar or it can burn fat. So it's either burning your glycogen stores in your muscles or it is burning your stored body fat. That's it. So when you have that choice, you want to force your body from being a sugar burner into being a fat burner. That way, if we can burn your own body fat for fuel, you're running a better furnace and you're losing body fat at the same time. So if you're struggling with losing weight, it's probably better to be a fat burner anyways. So this is where exogenous ketones come into play. You're on a low carb diet. Maybe you're kind of in a state of ketosis. You're improving your body fat burning, but you're not quite there yet. And it's not happening to the level that you want it to. We implement the use of exogenous ketones in the form of usually a powder form. You throw it in your water, you drink it down. Normally it tastes good. I'm kind of addicted to mine. It tastes like Tang. Remember Tang from when you were little? Yeah, that orange drink. It's pretty good. So you throw it in your water, you drink it down on a daily basis, and you're, you force your body into that state of ketosis, that state of fat burning instead of sugar burning. When we do that, you lose weight. So what happened when I started using exogenous ketones? Well, first of all, I tested a couple different products. I did the MLM product. Somebody gave me a sample. And I actually had a keto mojo where I could test my glucose and my ketone levels and see if they changed. When I did the MLM one, not going to say the name, no change whatsoever. I didn't feel different. I gave it a good run. No change in my ketone levels. No real change in body fat, weight, anything like that brain function, nothing. So Designs for Health, the company that I love, they're family owned and operated. Everything's made in the USA. Their philosophy is science first. I love them. You hear me talk about them all the time. Them and Organifi, my top two companies to choose from. And they make different things. So Organifi doesn't make exogenous ketones. Designs for Health does. So Designs for Health came out with a whole keto line. And we'll give you the, the link in the show notes for this. But they came out with a whole keto line. And one of their products is keto nootropic. So it's that exogenous ketone powder. And the nice thing is it has magnesium, potassium, a little bit of sodium. It has your electrolytes in there as well. So I don't have to take a separate mag 
I just use that. And sometimes I use it a couple times a day because I'm addicted to the flavor. And I started using that. And what I noticed in that first month was my clothes fit better. That's the first thing I noticed. Just that little shift. And like, hey, wait, wait a minute. These clothes are fitting a little bit better. And then fast forward a couple more months. Some of you have heard this story before. I'm going to say it again to answer Linda's question. A couple more months later, I put on a pair of jeans. So it was fall. Time for jean season. You know, you pull them down. You put them on for the first time as the weather gets cold. And I noticed I got baggy bum. My jeans starts to sag in my bum and I'm pulling them up, pulling them up through the night. And then I thought, well, maybe I didn't wash them because ladies, you know, you put your jeans away. You don't wash them for like four or five wears, maybe more, but at least four to five wears because you don't want to have to do the jumping in and laying on the bed to button them. So I thought, well, maybe I didn't wash them last time, last season when I put them away. So I wash them, put them on, wear them that night, baggy bum again. Okay. All right. So then I'm staring at those buckle jeans, those buckle jeans that I refused to throw away from 2010. And I pull them down and I put them on and they go on. Now, a year before, I couldn't get my thigh into those buckle jeans. And I put them on and I wear them a little bit snug, but still I got them on. Wasn't getting them on before. So I knew, and many of you know, I don't weigh myself. So I couldn't tell you whether I lost weight pounds on the scale or not. I deter from that anyways. I say, go by how your clothes fit. So I went by how my clothes fit and my clothes are fitting better. The other thing I noticed, and I didn't really tune into this until I thought backwards and then kind of tuned into my present state, I noticed just an improvement in my brain function. I was clear. I wasn't hitting that two o'clock wall. The fog was gone. And mind you, my, my thyroid was optimized. So it wasn't brain fog or fatigue from thyroid dysfunction. It was just from life. And maybe from not being in a deep state of ketosis. So I moved into that deeper state of ketosis and my brain fog was just, it's like a, a just like you, you scrubbed some muck off your shower door, you know, it's just like now you can see through it kind of thing. So that's what I felt. Um, I was, I was just a better practitioner. I was more focused uh, for podcasts for my patients. So I'm a fan of it. And from that day forward, I have not gone a day without it. I will take it on vacation with me. I have another patient that took it to Europe. Um, I will take it with me one way or another, no matter where I go. I will leave my other supplements at home. Other supplements can wait a week if I don't feel like dragging them along. But I will take my ketonotropic drink with me all the time. It's a little bit pricey because exogenous ketones are. So Linda, if you're sitting there going, why didn't we use this with me? Well, usually I will use it with people that are stuck. You know, you hit that plateau and you need that little push or people that I know need a quick win or they are going to take a bridge. They need a quick win in the weight loss department because they've been struggling for years. So Linda, we might revisit this with you, but either way, this is a phenomenal supplement. I hope that answers your question, Linda, on exogenous ketones. Okay. Another question is, it seems like anytime I have an alcoholic beverage or two, it sets me back where I gain weight and can't get it off for three or four days. Is there anything low carb that I can have? Is this normal? Okay. So on the alcohol front. So whenever we intake alcohol, there's proteins, carbs, fats, and there's alcohols. Alcohol is seen literally as like a foreign substance. I use quotations to your body because your body will stop processing proteins, carbs, and fats in order to process the alcohol. It doesn't like it, doesn't want it, wants it out. So if you are eating while drinking, chances are pretty darn good that you are going to store that food as body fat because your body can't process it anyways. It doesn't want to. That's not 
that's not its survival mechanism. It's not important. It's not important for you to lose weight. It's not important for you to burn your, your, your cheese fries that you decided to eat with your beer. Um, it's not important to, to process the cheese and crackers that you're eating with your wine. It's not important. So your body will stop the fat burning process when you're drinking alcohol. Now, if you're drinking it on a daily basis, that becomes a problem because you won't lose weight. So my women that say, I just need my glass of wine every single night to wind down. I say, well, then don't plan on losing weight because you're not going to, because you're going to stop that fat burning process, sometimes up to 24 hours, and you absolutely will not, will not lose weight. If you're struggling with losing weight and you're drinking even two or three times a week, that's probably too much. Once a week might be too much in the beginning until you can get your metabolism back. Now, the other thing that alcohol will do, depending on the type that you're drinking, it could spike your glucose. If you're insulin resistant, you're going to get a glucose spike from alcohol. I recommend dry farm wines. So look into that. We'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. Dry farm wines only uses wine or brings in wine for your case of wine that you're going to buy from non-irrigated farms. So we rule out that pesticide. No toxins are being brought in from irrigation. They also don't add sugars. They don't add sulfites. So those of you suffering from migraines or those of you who are insulin resistant, but you still want a glass of wine, once we get your metabolism up and you don't want to gain weight from it, you can incorporate dry farm wines once, maybe twice a week. Very, very low in sugar. So the other reason why you may have gained three or four pounds, in addition to stopping the fat burning process, depending on what you were eating when you were drinking, is also the type of alcohol that you're choosing and whether or not it is increasing your insulin. So if you increase blood glucose, increase insulin, you're also increasing cortisol. And cortisol will, as high insulin will, cause you to retain water. So that three to four pounds might have been water weight, might have been fat weight. We also have the type of alcohol, beer, increases estrogen. We'll be talking more about that this week in another podcast. High estrogen levels, estrogen dominance will cause weight gain. And then just the toxin effect. Your body sees alcohol as a toxic substance. So it's going to increase your cortisol. It's going to respond with a stress response. So with excess cortisol, you can put on fat and you can hold water. So it might be that as well. So dry farm wines, if you like wines, the way to go, um, I would say no beer because it's very, very hard to find gluten-free beer. And then you're still into the grains. Uh, and then from that point on, I would drop down and say like the clear liquors. So vodka, club soda, lime, tequila, club soda, lime. That would be the next step and the next way to go. I'm not 100% sold on the White Claws, the Trulies. I mean, uh, uh, you know okay, there's zero, 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 everything. But as far as I see, there's no artificial sweeteners, but I'm not hundred percent sure this is, you know, they're natural flavors. We don't know. Jury's still out on that. So, alrighty, moving on. We have a question from Ms. Karen. I have no thyroid. There's very little discussion about the effects of having your thyroid removed. It seems too simplistic to me that a thyroid can be removed with only thyroid hormone replacement needed and nothing else is affected. I'm on NDT rather than just T4, so I get a full replacement. Does the thyroid have any function other than providing thyroid hormones that I should compensate for? Wow, this is a great question, Karen. This is an amazing question. Okay. Oh, where are we going to start? Thyroid master gland. So we know that, right? You have a thyroidectomy. That master gland is removed. Now, of course, yes, we need to replace those thyroid hormones that were no longer being produced. 
you're on NDT, that's great. The most important thing you can do, Karen, is check your levels. You need to check what is your, and most importantly, free T3 and reverse T3. At the end of the day, yeah, if your TSH is elevated, that that's kind of a big red flag for me. But if it's low, don't care. I want to know what is your free T3 and your reverse T3 because on NDT, you're taking in T4, one of the hormones that was produced by your thyroid and is no longer because you don't have one. So that T4 has to convert over to T3. Your body only has receptor sites on its cells, on every single cell in your body. So that kind of ties into your question, Karen. Every cell in your body needs thyroid hormone. Every cell, including your heart. So it needs thyroid hormone. So yes, if if we don't replace it, you, you die, period. T4 has to convert over to T3 to connect to the T3 receptor site on the cell. If you're not converting properly, if you're producing too much reverse T3, that's a problem. If your reverse T3 is optimal, but your free T3 is low, that's a problem. Not enough T3 is there to get into the cell in every organ and every gland of your body. So will it affect other? Yes, absolutely. That's why we see people still in a state of hypothyroid, still in a low thyroid state, still in a low thyroid hormone state, replacing thyroid hormones after a thyroidectomy. And they're still experiencing a multitude of symptoms. So uh, something really interesting for you to do, if you haven't yet, you can go to my website at amyhornum.com, click on the free guides and download the lab and symptom checklist. We'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. So the lab and symptom checklist will actually go into the symptoms, some of which you never even thought some of which I promise you, you're going to look at and go, oh my goodness, I've been dealing with that forever. And I never thought it was connected to my thyroid. Things like a hoarse voice, clearing your throat all the time, uh, excess mucus, excess uh, allergic response, a high histamine response, histamine intolerance, food sensitivities. Um, I'm trying to think. It just, I mean, there's so many. There's so many. And there's so many crazy symptoms, vision issues. So you don't have to have Graves' disease to have vision problems from thyroid. It can happen when your thyroid is not optimized as well. So yes, every system will be affected. So when I work with patients, we, we test. So obviously we're looking at your thyroid function. We're looking at the free T3, the free T4, the reverse T3. We're checking your antibodies. We're glancing at the TSH just to make sure it's not elevated. And then we're checking things like your insulin because thyroid is going to have a direct effect on your insulin secretion and production and how your body handles insulin, which is why we see insulin resistance in a lot of thyroid patients. We're going to check your hormones. We're going to check progesterone, estrogen, free and total testosterone, DHEA, pregnenolone. Pregnenolone is the mac daddy hormone. That dropping down from that are all the sex hormones. And then you got DHA and cortisol over here. If you have adrenal issues, so yes, the adrenals as well, we'll check. If you have adrenal issues, that's going to interfere with T4 to T3 conversion. If you have adrenal issues where you're, you're, your body's utilizing that cortisol because you're just under that chronic stress, chronic stress, chronic stress, it's going to steal from pregnenolone. So you're going to have a pregnenolone steal. And then all of your downstream hormones from that are going to be affected could be a direct result of thyroid, but even so, we're going to check it. We're going to check it all. So we're going to check all those different markers that come into play that can be affected from remaining in a hypo state, even though you're on NDT. And we're going to keep an eye on you and check often to make sure that you stay in an optimized thyroid state, 
instead of just a normal, quote unquote, you're within normal limits, WNL, within normal limits. So Karen, if you're still experiencing hypothyroid symptoms, yes, absolutely. We do need to check it, but I kind of, I think I kind of answered your question in a different way than you thought. It's not that we have to, oh, what do I want to say? It's not that we have to like replace, sometimes we do have to replace adrenal hormones and sex hormones, but it's not like we have to do like, you know, a, a lung replacement because you're, you have excess mucus and we have to replace your, your esophagus because you're clearing your, no, and we're not going to bandaid you either. We're not going to bandaid you with PPIs and Zyrtec and Zantec and this tech and that tech and antidepressants and BP medications and statins. No, we're going to look for the root cause and optimize your thyroid first. So all the downstream systems will be working just as well. So thank you for that question because that's actually an amazing question. Okay, uh, Karen, you have another question. My TSH is very suppressed due to T4, T3 being optimal. So you're optimal. I hope you are optimal. TSH can be suppressed. Don't care. That's what's going to happen when you're on T3. You say, I'm fine with that, but my new endo is concerned that long-term suppression of TSH will have a negative effect on my bones and my heart. I don't agree, but I have nothing to back up my opinion. She had no reply when I said that raising my TSH would lower T3, causing me to be hypo and feel terrible. Does the lack of TSH cause bone or heart or other damage or deficiencies? No. Does a lack of TSH cause other functions of the pituitary to also shut down? What are the, why are the endos so fixated on optimal TSH? I don't know. I don't know why they're so fixated on it. Karen, if I had that answer, man, I would be a millionaire. Uh, so TSH doesn't matter, especially when you don't have a thyroid gland, right? So if you think about what TSH is, and if the endos would go back to the basic medical textbooks, um, your pituitary secretes TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. Can't really stimulate the thyroid anymore if it's not there to produce hormone. So in your case, it doesn't matter at all. Now, in the case of someone that still has a thyroid gland, if you're on T3, that TSH is going to go down. You can refer back to the episode where I go over my lab values. My TSH is basically non-existent. And, but I'm on T3 only. So it's going to be non-existent. So you look at, you have to look at my free T3. My reverse T3 is going to be non-existent too, because I'm not taking T4 to convert to T3, reverse T3. So you have to look at my free T3. You have to look at your free T3. And then you have to look at your symptoms. Are you optimal? Are you still experiencing? Did you ask your previous question, Karen, because you're still experiencing symptoms? Or is it just general concern? If you are truly optimal, I mean, both in functional medicine optimal ranges, meaning a free T3 above a 3.5 or above, your optimal might be 4, 4.55. You're getting it tested without taking your NDT medication 18 to 24 hours before your labs. Your reverse T3 is below a 12 and you have no symptoms, basically none. You know, some of us still struggle with a lingering one or two, but for the most part, your most pressing frustrating symptoms have gone by the wayside, then you're optimal. But if you can't tell me that, then you're not quite optimal. So just like you can't rely on your endo for your TSH information, you can't rely on just your lab values being in the optimal range for being optimal. Does that make sense? Hopefully. So you have to feel optimal as well. In response to your bone and heart comment, that has since been deflated proven false. So they're really, I mean, we, we, when we're using, especially T3 only, we want to look at a patient's heart 
uh, history, heart health history. So obviously someone with AFib, tachycardia issues, we're going to take that into account and be very, very careful, not, not use T3, but we're going to be very, very careful with it. In terms of bone loss, um, that has also been kind of demystified, negated, pushed away, pushed to the side. It's old school. It's in the old literature. It's false. So we do not see increased bone loss with, with suppressed TSH. Now, if you are doing nothing for yourself, you're not doing weight bearing exercise, you're not taking vitamin D, you don't have your vitamin D at an optimal level around 80, you're not taking magnesium, you're magnesium deficient, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. But if you are doing all that, checking all the boxes, then we don't have to worry about bone loss just with a suppressed TSH. Or I'd be like Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, I'd be like breaking bones left and right with my TSH level. Geez, I would hit a wall and, you know, have a broken arm. No, that's not the case. That is not the case. Simply not the case. And I have said that if you would like to test me, I will happily do a DEXA scan or bone density test to prove that years and years and years and years of suppressed TSH has not diminished my bones. Moving on. Can you please explain why many doctors are hesitant on prescribing Cytomel. Well, I think this actually ties back. So this actually ties back to the previous question of doctors thinking that T3 is dangerous for the heart and it'll cause bone loss and it'll make you anxious and it'll push you into a hyperthyroid state. Well, T3 is going to push your TSH down. We do not diagnose or, or dose on TSH alone because that TSH will look like you are hyperthyroid, air quotes. So TSH will drop down, and without looking at what a person's free T4 and free T3 levels are, a doctor will think that you are hyperthyroid, that we just push you into a hyper mode, when that's simply not the case, because T3 will naturally suppress your TSH, like we said. So why they are so uh, hesitant, I don't know. But you're out-of-the-box thinkers. If you work with me, I work with a nurse practitioner that will prescribe for you, we're a team. T3 is not a problem unless you're like a random one out of a thousand patients that probably yeah, it's not too good or we're careful with it with it in the elderly. But all in all, there's not a problem with it. And if you are an up-to-date practitioner, you know the benefits of T3 therapy. Actually, I'm writing a, a case study paper. I'll let you know when it's in a journal. We're actually targeting the general practitioner community that your your PCPs, your general docs with this case study on the importance of T3 and how it can change a person's life, especially someone that went through a partial thyroidectomy and that was under medicated, not enough T3 for years and years and years and years. We bring her T3 level up, quality of life changes, numbers are optimal. She gets her life back. Hello, doctors, you need to read this. So I'll let you know when that's out as well. Uh, but I wish I could answer your question on why they're so hesitant. I don't know. Okay, Miss Haley. Hi, I've been taking compounded T4, T3 for almost a year. My level, oh, I think I, I answered you, but we're going to answer again. My levels are almost balanced. And although I know my doc will adjust accordingly, I'm concerned that if I lower my T3, I could gain weight back. I've lost about 30 pounds as my thyroid hormones have been tweaked over the course of the year. I'm pretty rigid with my diet and just starting back at weight training. I also take berberine, as I know you recommend this supplement. 
I sometimes get winded easily. And when I first lie down at night, I notice my heart beating a little too fast. And my resting heart rate is also a little faster than it should be. My weight seems to have plateaued also. I want to continue to lose a few more pounds and maintain heart health, but I'm a little bit concerned about my heart just tiring out. TSH is low. My adrenals are slightly low, but not of concern, says Doc. What should I do next? Thank you for your wisdom. So Haley, I wrote back to you on here because I didn't want you to have to wait for this one. Great question. And I wanted to answer this. First of all, it's difficult to answer whether or not you should lower your T3 because we don't know what your labs are. So I asked you if you could post your labs along with the reference ranges. That would be great because we don't know if you're even optimal. We don't know what your doctor's looking at. We don't know what what they're looking at when they say that um, your TSH is low. We don't know if it's low or it's suppressed. So make sure your doctor is doing a free T3 and reverse T3. That's imperative because we can't go by TSH alone. I, I, I said it before I even read your question. Going by TSH alone, you could be diagnosed hyper and you're not. So we can't go by that alone. You need free T3 and free, reverse T3. Also, the adrenals play a critical role as to how you're feeling. So when your doctor says that your adrenals are slightly low but not of concern, what does that mean exactly? How did he or she test them? Did you do a four-point salivary cortisol panel through the day? Are you taking your vitals? What is your heart rate? So when we're talking about, you know, you say your heart racing, a lot of times patients can feel that heart rate increase, but they're increasing from, let's say, a, a resting heart rate when they're in the hypo state of like 60, 65, 70. And then all of a sudden they're going up to 85 or 90 and they're looking at their Apple Watch and they're looking at their Fitbit they're taking a pulse ox and they're, they're panicking because it's increased. When in reality, it's increased to what I am at rest sitting here talking to you. I'm 100. So a normal resting heart rate increase is expected with T3 use. Now, if you're going from 75 to 150, that's something to look at and address for sure. Could the adrenals be coming into play? Yes. So we're seeing more and more adrenal dysfunction now in these stressful times. And sometimes that is preventing T3 from working properly. So we're having people that are very sensitive to T3 when they shouldn't be. We're just seeing a lot of adrenal dysfunction with increased stress and then cortisol dysfunction. So if your cortisol is low, again, we don't know, is that low just on one point? So are you low just in the morning? The accurate way, and I mentioned it in my answer, is to do a four-point salivary cortisol panel where we're testing your cortisol through the day because cortisol should have a pattern where it's high in the morning and then drops down throughout the day and then is low at night. So we want to actually see what your cortisol pattern is. We can't say that you are quote-unquote low just based on one point. Have I seen flatline low? Yes, absolutely. And then that is of concern. We do not blow that off. Because that's adrenal fatigue at its finest. That's adrenal exhaustion. We need, we do need to address that. So you need to get a little bit more information about what low cortisol means and why your doctor is blowing that off. You also want to take your vitals. So that means your temperature, your heart rates, and your blood pressure in the morning upon waking before your feet hit the floor. And then you want to take it after you take your T3 medication and see what that 
increase is. So again, like I said earlier, if you're jumping into you know a cardio state and you're at 150, that's something that we need to talk about. But if you're going up 10, 15 points from baseline and you were low anyways, that's called your metabolism increasing a little bit. Kate, I have the worst brain fog, which is why I was prescribed Vyvanse five years ago for ADD. Could that have negative effects on the thyroid or cortisol? So yes. So one thing that I tell my patients who are on ADD medication, Vyvanse, any kind of stimulant, um, Adderall, is to watch for your body's response. So if you get that kind of rush, that adrenaline rush, where you feel like you drink a lot of cups of coffee, and then you have a crash afterwards, even a couple hours after, that is taxing your adrenals. You don't want that. So the people that actually truly need an ADD medication, they will actually feel calm, not hyper. They will feel less depressed and chill. Now, I'm not against those medications. When they're needed, they're needed. But if you're taking it for weight loss, if you're taking it for a stimulant effect, that's not good. And yes, it could affect your cortisol. And then we know that cortisol, high cortisol levels will directly affect T4 to T3 conversion. High cortisol levels will increase your blood glucose. That's going to add to your weight gain. It'll drop your thyroid function. So yes, it will have a trickle-down effect for sure. And if you've been on it that long, you may want to just really kind of tune into how your body responds when you take that. Sophie. Hi, Amy. My thyroid levels are optimal. I'm on two grains of armor and 10 micrograms of cytomel, but I'm still having hair loss. I didn't have this on nature throw before it was reformulated. I've looked at other causes of hair loss. Watch your videos on hair loss. My doctor suggested to switch me to tyrosine cytomel, but I didn't do well on that in the past. Do you have patients who do well switching from NDT to synthetic? Yes. Have you noticed some people have persistent hair loss on armor? Um, so, oh, Sophie, I know hair loss is so hard. It's so hard on people. So NDT to synthetic, yes, that's fine. You're doing the right thing by going to tyrosine. It's the most pure. Many times we'll see hair loss just from the, the fillers in a particular medication. So it could be that nature thyroid before it was reformulated had very little fillers it can be the manufacturer, as you've heard me say, sometimes just even, you know, changing the manufacturer can make a difference. I think you'll be safe on the tyrosine cytomel. When you say that you didn't do well in the past, maybe it was your dosing. Maybe the dosing was too low and that's why you didn't do so well. And then we have to look at when we have persistent hair loss, despite being pretty much optimized, Yes, we do change your medication like you're doing. And then I ask you, what about your zinc levels? Um, have you had your zinc tested? Is that optimal? Where's your iodine levels? Where's your ferritin? If that's in the tank, that will directly affect your hair, as will zinc. And then are you on a collagen? Is your protein level up? Are you eating adequate, amount, adequate amounts of amino acids in the form of protein? I recommend whole body collagen. We can put that in the show notes too. I recommend whole body collagen because that has changed my hair and my patient's hair. And if you are at a complete loss, you can try PRP injections. That absolutely works for hair. And if you do end up ever working with me, my nurse practitioner has formulated a concoction that she should patent. And it absolutely helps to stop hair loss, even once we have addressed all those other factors. So I hope that helps a little bit, Sophie. Kate. Could it affect losing weight? I think you're talking about 
the Vyvanse. So yeah, I answered that with the, with the cortisol response. She says, thank you so much. I've binged your podcast and I've told so many people to listen. Thank you, Miss Kate. You've already helped me so much and I plan to schedule with you next month. Yay, so we can test you. So Kate, what we're going to do is we're going to test your cortisol with a four point. When my patients work with me, I just order you the, the ZRT panel at my cost. So you're not, don't go on and do it before we work together because you're going to be paying double. I'll order for you at my cost and we'll test your cortisol pattern and see if that is being affected. And then we'll kind of deep dive into the ADD. Um, sometimes we can cycle on and off. It, it definitely is going to affect weight loss if it's pushing your cortisol. And if it's pushing, you know, it can actually push your blood sugar up. So that's going to affect weight loss for sure. Um, Sandra for designs for health asked for a practitioner code. So you can use my name as a practitioner code. You are on the actual Designs for Health main website. So yeah, you can use my name, just Amy Horneman, all in caps. What else we got? Is keto safe for Hashimoto's? Miss Emily, yes, it is. So what we want to do is throw in every so often, we just want a carb cycle. So you could be keto, 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 keto. And then every so often have a day where you eat a sweet potato, you know, treat yourself to the gluten-free bun on your burger and, and enjoy it. So yes, you, you absolutely, there's nothing wrong with being keto, but you want to, if you're, if you're keto for a little while, you want to just throw in a high carb day every once in a while of good high quality carbs. So maybe you do do some fruit and you bring fruit back into your life once in a while. You do a sweet potato, you do a, a whole bunch of butternut squash roasted in the oven with olive oil and some sea salt. And that's what I would say to do. Miss Kate, you're saying thank you so much. Random question. This will be our last one of the day. I also learned I have the MTHFR gene, homogeneous A1291C. I bought Thorn Research 5 MTHF folate, active vitamin B9 supplement. And would that affect my thyroid poorly? Is that okay to use? So, Kate, the big thing, we're still learning so much about MTHFR. So the big thing is not to overuse. Everybody, you know, I'm MTHFR positive, and they start supplementing with folate. Get your folate levels tested. Get your homocysteine levels tested. Get all your B vitamins tested. Don't just be thrown on this. I don't even know what this active B9 supplement is or if it's with the thorn. You got to get all your Bs tested there, Kate. So I'd like to see, you know, B12, B6, I'd like to see your homocysteine, your folates. You know what I would do? I would take that, but not take it all the time, every single day. Take it a couple of times a week so you're not overdoing because everybody wants to, to throw on that MTHFR Band-Aid. And that's not what we want to do unless you are actually deficient in folate. Thank you so much. Please share this because this is a good one. This covers so many different questions that I know that you have too. If you have them, somebody else has them. If somebody else has them, you have them too. So share this, share this, share this. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, The Thyroid Fix Podcast, on all podcast platforms. And I am excited to announce that I will be on a couple major podcast episodes coming up soon, Thyroid Refresh and The Other Side of Weight Loss with Karen Martell. And the Keto Diet Podcast with Leanne Vogel coming soon, 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 probably in the summer. So I'm very excited to be talking to all of those amazing ladies. And I will definitely tell you 
when those podcasts are released. And the good news is they're going to be online too. So you get to hear it. If you subscribe, you get to hear all kinds of great information. So I will see you this week talking about estrogen dominance. That will be a good one because many of you are suffering from it. All right, take care.